Okay, so we finish up this series today, and we've done five weeks on finances. And I must admit, when I started this, I was talking to my wife, Raquel, and I, I said, I felt that the Lord had laid it on my heart just to talk about money. And she was like, oh my, are you serious? You want to talk about money? And uh, I was like, yeah, and it's going to scare me to death. But I've really enjoyed this series. And, uh, I, you know, I've learned so much myself by studying, studying the scriptures. What I feel, I feel that we, it's like we've been making a cake. And, uh, and for the last four weeks, we've done like all the inside work, you know, the actual cake. We've done the mixing. We've done like the baking and today is kind of like the icing I mean it's like the icing that you see that's the stuff that you see on the cake and today is like the icing it's going to be very practical uh, if any of you got like pens and notepads I would encourage you to take them because we're going to go through a ton of scriptures today um, but I, it's going to be very practical um, but I really hope it's going to help you and I think it will help, help a lot of you or it will reassure some of you like how just to deal with your finances and things you know Dave Ramsey is a well-known author and he's a radio host um, and he has a radio show and it's all about finances and we've been giving away stuff throughout the, the weeks um, a day, uh, his materials so uh, uh, we've given away some books some uh, DVDs CDs and there's a few left here so uh, if you don't get them today they'll be gone and so you can, after service if you guys want to come and get them there's uh, there's just some workbooks and things like that just to help with your finances you can get them but he in his books he says this, he says there's two kinds of people when it comes to finances. Two. There's only two kinds of people when it comes to finances. He, what, he calls one person the nerd, and then he calls the other person the free spirit. Now let me just uh, define these for you. He, he describes the nerd as those people who save. They're the people who budget everything. They're the ones who calculate the costs of everything. And you can see a nerd a mile away. If you go to the grocery store, they're the ones who have got like a wad of coupons and they're the ones who've put all the coupons in at the cash register and they spent like a thousand dollars and it comes down to like 50 cents, you know, after. And you're like, whoa, those people are nerdy, but they're crazy. Also, they're the ones that, you know, you go to the self-checkout and uh, you you see a big line, you see the self-checkout and you see one person left and you're like, oh, I'm going to get into this one. And then and they come and they scan everything through and they're right done and then they go to pay and then they just stay there for like five minutes. They pull their checkbook out and they start balancing their checkbook right there at the self-checkout. How annoying are those people? I'm like, I'm sorry. If you're one of those, it's annoying. The nerds. Okay, there's the free spirits. Well, the free spirits, they're the ones who are really impulsive. I mean, they're the ones who see something and they want it. They love to window shop, but window shopping always, without a doubt, always ends with a dent in their credit card. They're the ones who just like, just if they see it on TV, they want it. If they see someone else, they want it. You know, they're they're the ones, they don't even think about, about the cost. They just know they want something. They're the ones who think when you talk about budget, they're, they're thinking that you're talking about like a car rental company or something like that. I mean, they're the ones that, you know, budget, it's like, oh, the budget items on Black Friday. They're kind of those kind of people, the free spirits. Well, I'm sure each of us probably this morning, maybe not to the extent, but may be able to put ourselves in one of those categories, the nerd or the free spirit. And if we're to be honest this morning, and I'm going to be very honest with you, the free spirits have a whole lot more fun than the nerds. Are you right? I mean, some people think like, like getting all the coupons is like fun, but no, being impulsive, you know, with, with your buy is fun. 
And as you can tell, I'm probably a free spirit when it comes to my personal finances. But when it comes to the Bible, the Bible doesn't talk about nerds or free spirits. In fact, the Bible talks about the wise and the foolish. And today I want us to take a look at some of the principles the Bible teaches about those people who are wise and those people who are foolish. You know, the Bible is filled with lots of commands. You know, God tells his people, do this, do this, do this. Live this way, live this way, live this way. And it's filled with commands. You know, we've even got like the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. You know, thou shalt not envy. All that sort of stuff. God has so many commands in his Bible that we're to follow. But also in the Bible, there's a lot of other things that I call directional wisdom. They're not commands that God is saying, you must do this. But they're basically pieces of wisdom that God gives to people to help them in the journey of life. And so they aren't do or die commands. And you won't go to hell if you don't do them. You know, I mean, you could be the next Billy Graham and, or the next Moses, I don't know. And you could ignore these principles altogether. These principles are there to help you. They are there to direct you and they're there to keep you out of trouble. And, you know, it's this wisdom that I want to finish up with this series today. And like I said, it's going to be very practical. There's going to be a lot of scriptures. And, uh, and, and you know, we're just going to whisk through a lot of stuff. But there's three areas I want us to look at today. And like I said, it's practical. And three areas of this. Planning and budgeting. Loaning and lending. Investing and saving. You may think, well, I came into church. I didn't come in for like a financial seminar. Well, if you read the pages of this book, this, the pages of this book, it tells us a lot about these things. And it gives us some great wisdom into how to, how to deal with these things in our lives. So let's look at planning and budgeting first. And let's be honest, import, in, impulsive people are just awesome, aren't they? I mean, I love impulsive people. You know, you get up one day and you're like, let's go climb a mountain. I mean, like, that's just like incredible. I love those kind of people. In, they are just awesome. But there's a lot of people who hate impulsive people. But I must admit, I really love them. But when it comes to finances, the Bible is very clear about who is wise and who is foolish. And unfortunately this morning, I fall into the foolish category. Because impulsive people, when it comes to finances, are really foolish. The whole principle that the Lord lays out in the Bible is this. Is that we should always plan for the worst and belief for the best. I mean, that's kind of my paraphrase, but when you read the Bible, and you read the Bible's concern, the scriptures concerning finances, and wealth, and possessions, always plan for the worst, and believe for the best. So let's look at some scriptures this morning. If you've got your Bibles, if you want to turn to Proverbs 27 and verse 12, and we'll flick through these real quick. Proverbs 27 and verse 12, it says, the prudent person, or the wise person, foresees danger, and takes precautions. So they foresee danger and they take precautions. Then it says the simpleton or the foolish person goes blindly on and suffers consequences. I've discovered that people who don't plan always plan to fail. People who don't plan always plan to fail. And if you are not planning concerning your finances, you are planning to fail concerning your finances. Proverbs 21 and verse 5 says this. It says, good planning and hard work leads to prosperity. But hasty shortcuts lead 
to poverty. You know, when it comes to the finances, patience is the key. The Bible here is telling us, he says that you must plan well and then work hard. Impatience will destroy you. And I don't know about you, but I know that we live in a, in a nation where we are impatient. You know, at the moment, my, 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 my wife and myself, we're house hunting. And I'll be honest, we're about two weeks into really seriously looking at homes. And I'm done by now. I'm like, I want to be moved in already into a house. Because we're impatient. We, wanna, we want things here and now. And what I've discovered is that the Joneses, you know, we tried to keep up with the Joneses. Well, the Joneses are impatient. And in week one, I told you that the Joneses are broke. Impatient people are often the people who do worse to their finances. Well, let's look at Luke chapter 14 and verse 28. Luke 14 and verse 28. It says there, it says, Don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there was enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person that started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. You know, when, when, uh, my, my, when I was young, we were eight years old, and my parents moved from a place called Newport in Wales to a place called Wolverhampton in England. And we lived about four miles away from the church that we're at. And so every Sunday morning, we, we would drive these four miles. And you'd go along the street, and there was this house. And so this was like back in 1987, something like that. That was a long time ago. Uh, there was this house that this guy started to build. And he'd laid the foundations, and he'd got like the frame up. And you knew that this house was going to be a beautiful house. The guy took it on as kind of like a hobby, and he was going to be their dream home. It was going to be the home that they were going to retire in. And we would drive along every Sunday for a few years, and you'd see bit by bit the house coming together. Suddenly, they would get, he would get brick on it. He would get like the brick veneer. Then like the roof would come up. And then after a few years, we stopped seeing progress on the house. And then when I left, uh, uh, when I, when I left uh, uh, England in 2005, yeah, 2005, at the age of 25, that house still was not finished. I mean, like 17 years later, that house was still not finished. The guy did not calculate the cost of how much it would be to build his home. And what I've discovered is that planning will always help you finish what you started. Planning will always help you finish what you started. And there's a lot of you this morning, and I'm just the same, because I know exactly how you feel. You want to just get things done and do it, and like, okay, let's do this project or do this project. But you don't plan and calculate the cost. And if you don't plan and calculate the cost, the Bible says that you will not finish what you started. Proverbs uh, chapter 15 and verse 22 says, Plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. Let me tell you today, when it comes to planning and budgeting, don't ever be afraid to ask for advice. Don't think you know it all because there's nobody who knows it all. The wise always seek counsel. They always seek counsel. And I know I'm the same. I can be like that. I'm like, well, I know, like, my wife will tell you, I think I'm right a lot of the times. And it's because I am right a lot of the times. Especially, you know, 
when I was having a conversation with my wife. But there are times when I know for a fact that I don't know everything. Actually, a lot of the times I know I don't know everything. And what I've discovered is that when you seek counsel, you gain wisdom. You gain understanding. You don't know everything. And the Bible here tells us, it says that many advisors bring success. And then Proverbs 16, verse 9, it says, We can make our plans, but it is the Lord who determines our steps. We can make our plans, but it is the Lord who determines our steps. And I've discovered in my life, and I know many of you have discovered today, that in order to be successful in this life, in order to make sure that your plans come about as they ought, you must always make sure that your plans are God-centered and not self-centered. They're God-centered and not self-centered. And if they are self-centered, then your plans will probably take you off track. And ultimately, there's a good chance they're going to fail. But if your plans are God-centered, then God will lead you on the right track. You know, Proverbs says, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lead uh, unto your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge the Lord and he will direct your paths. And if your, if your plans are God-centered, he will direct your, path, your paths. And while being impulsive and a free spirit is fun and adventurous, it really has no place concerning your finances. And if you are impulsive today, let me give you one word of advice. This is something I've learned myself, because I can be very impulsive. If you are impulsive, if you are the free spirit, then plan and budget for that impulsiveness. Don't just let it happen, because it will destroy you. Saving and planning. I mean, sorry, budgeting and planning. Well, let's look at the next bit of of wisdom that the Bible gives us. Lending and loaning. Lending and loaning. Have you noticed... You know, I moved to the United States in 2005, and the first thing I noticed, I'm like, whoa, Americans finance everything. I mean, they just don't like cash. They don't pay for cash. They don't pay for it. They finance everything. I mean, you go into the grocery store, and they're trying to sell you like a credit card, you know, just pay for your groceries. And like furniture, I mean, everybody finances furniture, uh, cars, homes, everything. And I've noticed that we are a country that is built on credit. Have you noticed our government lately? Our government is in serious debt. If you go to New York City outside uh, one of the buildings, there's like a, 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 a national debt calculator. And it will show you the national debt. And it keeps rising and rising. And I wouldn't even know the name for that number that they've got. I mean, we are a government. We have a government or we are a country that is in serious debt. And when I read the Bible, I sometimes ask this question. Is it okay to go into debt? Is it okay to lend other people money that they don't have? Well, let's have a look at a few of the scriptures. Let's look at ones about loaning first. Psalm 37 and verse 21 says this. It says, The wicked borrow and never repay, but the godly are generous givers. The wicked borrow and never repay. And let me be very honest with you today. When I read my Bible, I understand that it is never okay to default on loans. It's never okay to default on loans. 
If you have made an agreement to pay somebody money, it is not okay to default on loans. And you know, there's this big thing at the moment. There's so many people who are going into foreclosure. And a lot of people, a lot of financial advisors are telling people, just quit paying your mortgage. Because you're going to go into, into bad credit anyway. You're in debt. You're, you're in arrears with your mortgage. Just quit paying your mortgage. Pocket that money yourself. They'll come and foreclose. And then you'll have something to start off with in the end. You know, I'm telling you this one. That is bad advice. Because if you have agreed to pay money to someone, then it is not okay to default on loans. The wicked borrow and never repay. But then the godly are generous givers. Romans chapter 13 and verse 8, it says this. And I'm still trying to get my head around this one in this day and age. But it says, owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of the law. I'm struggling with that one this morning. I'll be very honest with you. Owe nothing to no one. And I don't know about you, but I've got credit. I owe money to people. You know, we're looking at buying a house, and we're not, we haven't got the money to buy a house straight out, right? I don't know what that means, but all I know is this. I know that putting everything on finance is not a biblical practice. In fact, when we borrow, the Bible tells us, it says that we become slaves to those people that we borrow from. And I know one thing, that slavery has no place in the kingdom of God. No place in the kingdom of God. And for you this morning, that's something that you may need to discern yourself. But if, you're, uh, if, if, if you want to put everything on credit, then you're going to find yourself in a lot of trouble. Proverbs 22, verse 26 to 27, it says this. And this is pretty interesting, I really think. Proverbs 22, 26 to 27. It says, it says, don't, guarantee, don't agree to guarantee another person's debt. Or put up security for someone else. If you can't pay it, even your bed will be snatched from under you. I think one of the hardest things, especially for parents or loved ones, is to refuse to co-sign for someone. I remember when I got my first car. I wasn't very wise. I took out a student loan, and instead of paying for tuition and paying for uh, books and stuff like that, I bought my first car with it. I mean, I was like, hey, we got this money. And I remember saying, Dad, I need some money. Can you help me? I need to buy a car. And my dad says, there's no way. He says, if you can't afford to buy a car yourself, then you shouldn't have a car. If you want a car, you've got to save up for it. And I learned a lesson that day. My dad says, I will never co-sign for you. I'm like, thanks. Appreciate it, Dad. He said, it's not that I don't trust you. It's that the banks know that if you can't afford it yourself, then you really shouldn't be having it. And the banks are a whole lot wiser with money. Well, they used to be a whole lot wiser with money than what you are with money. And the Bible says, he says, do not, put guarantee, do not guarantee somebody else's debt. Co-signing is foolish, even if it's your kids. And that's a hard thing, because you want to give to your kids. You want your kids to have stuff. You want them to have that first car. 
but co-signing is foolish. There's a reason why the bank won't give those people money. And it's because they can't afford it. And the, and the simple truth is, if you can't afford something, you shouldn't get it. You know, I'm not saying it's wrong to borrow. I'm not saying credit cards are the devil. And for those of you all about like the end of the world and like the mark of the beast and 6666 and all that, I'm not saying credit cards are the mark of the beast at all. But I do know this one thing. When I read the Bible, I discover that borrowing is not the answer. You can't, you know, so today people go into debt to pay off debt. That's foolish. The Bible tells us that. Borrowing is not the answer. Paying for things that you can't afford is the answer. And that means we may have to be a little patient. Well, let's look at lending. What does the Bible say about lending money to people? If you are in the wonderful position where you can lend people money. I want to give you three scriptures. And they're Old Testament scriptures. But they're really interesting. Exodus chapter 22 and verse 25 says this. If you lend money to any of my people who are in need, do not charge interest as a money lender would. Wow. Then Leviticus chapter 25 and verse 35 to 37, it says, If one of your fellow Israelites falls into poverty and cannot support himself, support him as you would a foreigner or a temporary resident and allow him to live with you. And he says this, do not charge interest or make a profit at his expense. Instead, show your fear of God by letting him live with you as a relative. Remember, and he says this again, do not charge interest on money you lend or make a profit on food you sell him. And then Deuteronomy chapter 23, 19 to 20, says once again, do not charge interest on the loans you make to a fellow Israelite, whether you loan money or food or anything else. And he says this, you may charge interest to foreigners, but you may not charge interest to Israelites so that the Lord your God may bless you in everything you do in the land you are about to enter. Basically, God here is saying, he's saying your fellow Israelites, and he's speaking to the Old Testament, so he's speaking to, to the people of Israel, and he says to them, he says, if any of your fellow, fellow Israelites are in need, don't lend them money and then just charge interest. He said it's okay for foreigners, but don't. I'm like, I'm kind of stuck, aren't I? I'm like, if you guys lend me any money, like, the Bible says I can charge you interest. <laughs> but the Bible here is basically saying this. He says, when it comes to the people of God, when God is saying, when it comes to my children, which if you are a born-again believer, if you believe in Jesus Christ this morning, if you have Jesus Christ living in your heart and you've repented of your sins and you are living a life for him, you are a child of God. And if that is you this morning, then the Bible is saying, then don't ex uh, try to get so much out of another child of God. Don't charge interest. Don't try to make a profit out of that person. Instead, give to them as they are in need. You know, one thing about, uh, about being part of a church is that you get a lot of people who ask for help. There's a lot of people in need. And we get loads of phone calls like each week. 
people asking for assistance with their rent or their BG bill. And we've even had people in our church who have asked for assistance. And, and it's funny, the people who call in just want like a gift. But a lot of the people in the church, and I've experienced this in other churches that I've been to, this is normally what they say. They say, we're in a, a bind. We're in a financial bind. Or we just need some help this month. We've got more month left than money. Will the church loan me some money? And then they'll say, and we'll give it back, and we'll give it back with interest if you want. And this is what I've always said. I've always said, we would be glad to help. But we are not going to loan you any money. We're not going to loan any money. Instead, we will give it as a gift. People have a hard time with that because it's hard to receive a gift. It's easy to receive a loan because you know that you might pay it back. But people have a hard time. But all I know is that when it comes to the the people of God, as a church, we are not in the business of loaning people money. We're in the business of helping other people get back on their feet. You know, when you lend to others, I believe the Bible tells us, lend as a gift. Give as a gift. And the Bible says here, it's in the scriptures that we just read, that when you give to people as a gift, then God is going to bless you. It's going to bless you. You know, we went down yesterday to Baltimore and we were giving out this food to the homeless. And it could have been so easy just to say, you know, we're going to charge you. You know, however much you've got on you, we're going to charge you. But that wouldn't have been fulfilling at all. That wouldn't have been the work of Jesus Christ. Instead, we go down there and we open up our trunks and, and, uh, you know, there's all these toiletries, all these clothes. And... You just see, you know, the, the, the people at Generation Church who came, they were just giving and giving. And it's just such an incredible feeling to be able to give to others. And all I know is one thing is when you give to others, God will bless you in return. Lending and loaning. Well, let's look at the last one. Investing and saving. You know, when you plan and budget, anyone with any sense will always tell you that you must plan to save. And it's always wise to invest as well. You know, on average, Americans only save $324 a year. $324 a year. And like in our our men's group on, on, uh, on Tuesday night, we were talking about it. And one of the guys was like, wow, man, I wish I could save $324 a year. You know, we're not a saving country. We're a spending country. We're a country of consumers. But the Bible does talk about saving. And in Proverbs chapter 30 and, tw- and verses 24 to 25, it says this. It says, there are four things on earth that are small but unusually wise. And it gives four lists of different animals, but we'll just look at one today. It says ants. Ants are wise. Did you know that? Ants are wise. It says ants. They aren't strong but they store up food all summer. You know, in your life, you're going to go through times of plenty and you're going to go through times of lack. And you know, today, the, the kids over in, in, uh, in theater number three, they're talking about a guy called Joseph. A guy called Joseph who had a dream. And it was a God-given dream. And he felt that God was telling him through this dream that there are going to be seven years of plenty in the land that he lives. But there's also going to be seven years after that of lack and of famine. And so 
what Joseph did. Joseph, in the time of plenty, he got all the people to save and store food. So in the times of lack, they had enough to feed themselves. And for you today, you're going to go through times of plenty and times of lack. And I don't know what season of life you're in at the moment, whether it's a time of plenty, whether it's a time of lack. If it's a time of plenty, I tell you, save, save, save. Because soon there will be a time of lack in your life. Just as the ants, they store up all food in the summer so that they will have enough for the winter. Then in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 to 8, we see the Bible talking about ants again. It says here, it says, Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor, or ruler to make them work. They labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. They realize that times are not always good. There are seasons to this life, and so in the good season, they store up, and they save. So be wise like an ant today. In Proverbs 21, verse 20, it says this. The wise have wealth and luxury. But the fools spend whatever they get. The fools spend whatever they get. And I don't know about you today, but you may be a person who just lives paycheck to paycheck. If something happened today, you wouldn't even know what to do because you just spend what you get. And the Bible says that's foolish. And for some of you this morning, that means you may have to cut back on some things because saving is a wise thing to do. You know, it's not brain science. We all know we must save. Everybody tells us that we must save. But today, some of you, you may have not put money aside for a long, long time. And I tell you today, do not compromise your future for short-term pleasures. Don't compromise your future for short-term pleasures. Saving. Well, what about investing? There's not much the Bible says about investing, but what it does say, it's pretty clear. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse 2 says this. Divide your investments among many places, for you do not know what risks might lie ahead. Don't put all your money, all your investments, all your uh, retirement, all your future in one basket. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Instead, spread them out. And I tell you today, what I've discovered is that for those of you, you know, you're thinking uh, about your retirement plan. Make sure that your retirement plan is a balanced strategy. Just make sure it's not going in all in one place. Make sure that your, your company who deals with that is spreading it around. In Proverbs 13, um, 13 and, and chapter, sorry, chapter 13 and verse 11. It says this, it says, wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows over time. When it comes to investing, patience is the key. You know, if you've got a bunch of money in savings and you want to invest it, I'll give you some advice today. Putting it all in the local latest social media company is not the answer. You know, Google comes around once in a lifetime. Most of the companies end up like MyFace and Napster and, you know. How many of you guys are still on MyFace? Uh, um, uh, MySpace. MySpace. I don't know. Whatever. 
You know what I mean? <laughs> How many of you are still on MySpace? Whoa, nobody. And that was a company that everybody wanted to invest in because it was the latest, biggest thing, and now it's just folded. Patience is the key. You know, putting something in a get-rich-quick scheme is not the answer. Getting quick returns is not the answer. Instead, the Bible says, it said it's through hard work and growth over time that your investments grow. So invest in companies and stocks that have just historically had a steady increase throughout their life. Investing and saving. You know, these aren't commands that, like the Ten Commandments, you know, they aren't commands that hold you in a corner. But instead, what we've discussed this morning are just ancient principles that are there to guide you. I can tell you people in the Bible who were greatly used from God, they ignored some of these principles and they fell into danger. I honestly believe this morning that God has an incredible plan and purpose for each and every one of you. And I believe today, some of you, you're not seeing that plan fulfilled. You don't feel that purpose in life. Because you are financially stuck on a treadmill. Your focus has maybe to be trying to get off that treadmill. And you keep running and running and running. And the way that you've been trying to get off that treadmill is just to run faster. To try to gain more wealth. To work harder. To get a better job. To work more overtime. To, to get more possessions. To get the bigger car. To get the bigger house. Your focus has been to gain more wealth. To overcome your struggle with wealth. But I tell you today, there is an alternative. To the treadmill of financial struggle. You know, the Benjamins will always be two steps ahead of you if you allow it. There will always be more month left than money if you allow it. But for those of you who have been on a treadmill in the last 15 years, you will know on a treadmill that there is something on there and it's a big, huge red button. A big, huge red button. And if you press that red button, the treadmill will just stop. And I believe this morning, for many of us here, that God is desiring us just to hit that red button and stop this treadmill from going. And God is saying, if you just hit it, I am right beside you. And He's saying, I want to take you Not on a treadmill, but I want to take you on a run. I want to take you on a jog. Not so that you're seeing the same thing again and again and again like you would on a treadmill. But He wants to take you on a run through the beauty that is life. I believe the path that God wants to take you is through beautiful scenery, majestic mountains, peaceful lakes. But it requires that you put God first. You let Him be your God. Not all your possessions and your, your, your wealth. He requires that you surrender to His ownership. So that you recognize that all you have is God's. And that you are just the steward or the manager of what has been given to you. He wants you to realize that you shouldn't withhold from giving to Him. Don't reject helping others. And then, I believe, He wants you to become a wise nerd. In handling your finances. 
And when you do that, a new day of financial freedom will break through for each and every one of you. You will never have to keep up anymore with the Benjamins. Keep on that treadmill, just going and going and going. And it seems like it will never stop. Because when you follow the path that the Lord lays out in His Word, then those days of worry and struggle will be a thing of the past. But this is the secret. Seek the kingdom of God first. Seek to be right in the eyes of God. And then the Lord promises this. That all these other things, all these other needs, will be given and added unto you. Seek God first. Let's pray.